0: Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. If at any moment I mess up tonight, I just want to hear Pastor Omar say, That's it, just turn it off. (laughs) Just scrap it. Uh, Please be seated. The devil's a liar. That's all he's good for is lying. Uh, you know, my, uh, my opening statement is like David, it says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the army of the living God? Is, is The devil's a liar. He's, he's just a buster. One of my favorite movies, one of my favorite movies growing up, Lord forgive me, is uh, Friday. And, uh, and Smokey says, When Debo comes around, he says, Yeah, when he comes around, I'll be quiet. But when he leaves, I'll be talking again. And uh, sometimes that's just my relationship uh, with the adversary. He's just a buster. Um, but I'm excited to uh, share this word with you guys today. I want to share out of uh, Psalms 51. This isn't my main context. I'm just going to use this to open up and uh, set up the main context that we're going to read. In, uh, in Psalm chapter 51, verse 1 through 9, here you have King David who's sitting on the throne. He's the king. Um, and he says this. He says, Have mercy on me, O God. Here David is facing, uh, in, in, in I believe it's 1 Samuel, it goes on to share how David was, was conflicted. There was, It says that he was tormented on the inside. There was inner torment because of the sin that he had faced with Bathsheba, because of the killing of her husband. And this inside, it killed him. In Psalm 32, David also says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was dried up as a heat of summer. This prayer of David, it goes on to show that there's this godly sorrow. Sometimes our prayers will show where, our, where our, the posture of our heart is when it comes to true repentance, rather than just being sorry because we got caught, rather than just being sorry because other people are now in the mix and, 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 and my, my, all my laundry is out there. Is there's this godly sorrow. Is just a real broken heart because you broke God's heart. And then you have regret that says, man, I just feel stupid because I got caught. And now there's shame because other people know and the posture of your heart uh, to the father isn't right. It's just rather you're upset because now you have to deal with the consequences of your own actions. That's not real repentance. I find myself, depending on where I am in my walk with God, depending on uh, what the Lord is doing in my life, what he wants to do in my life, maybe I don't even see it yet, uh, depending on what the church is going through. But I find myself going through the same prayer within the last, maybe let's just say the last three months. It's the same prayer every day, over and over. And, and, and it's, it's the same prayer that, that David prayed, is Lord, my transgressions are always before me. My sin is always right in front of me. And David goes on to say, man, he feels this heavy weight that is crushing him. That is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I feel this weight sometimes. And I'm just like, Lord, I'm not asking to be perfect because I know I never will. But I'm just asking, Lord, I just want to be more like you. Will you break my heart for what breaks yours? And my heart is constantly being broken. And I'm asking the Lord, Lord, will you deliver me from certain things that I'm going through? Will you deliver me from the adversary? And, And... I, I know who I am naturally there's who I am and there's who I want to be I know who I am without God I know exactly uh, the tolerances and my limits that I can go and the things that I know that I can't go over here the people I can't talk to uh, when I'm not connected to the vine I, I know this and I, and I have to deal with that I know I know how the enemy tries to attack me I know he he, he knows more about me sometimes than I know about myself and, and he uses these things against me. And listen, I would be a fool. Any person in this place would be a fool if you don't think that you are susceptible to the attacks and schemes of the enemy to pull you away from the faith. You look at all the trailblazers that we love, that we honor, that we adore. You look at all these men that we looked up to for a certain period of time and, and somehow, way they got connected to the world and the devil just pulled them away. And there were people that I grew up with as, as a child, Bible study leaders that I looked up to. People that I loved, that I honored just because of the father that they were. Just because of, of the type of leader that they were. And they fell away and it broke my heart. So we're not susceptible to those things. The enemy is looking for somebody just to, to, just to pull away from, from community. To pull away from the call of God that he has on their life. You, we look at we look at one of these generals of the faith, the man, amazing teacher, amazing preacher, and Ravi Zacharias. He passed away. I believe it was two years ago. The moment he passed away, we hear we hear news after news and evidence and and confirmation that that, man, that the man was deeply afflicted, just sexually immoral, and he did all of these crazy things in places that he didn't belong. So. Not only do I need to be delivered from my own human heart, from my own deceitful thoughts, because we know that the heart is deceitful and desperately sick, not only do I need to protect myself from that, then there's just the enemy. There's our adversary. He, don't play, he doesn't play nice. He's more strategic than you think. He's, he's roaming around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. He does three things that still kill and destroy. It's, it's not always physical, it's not always spiritual, it's, it's, it's mental, it's emotional. He, he just wants to tear you up. And this is who we're fighting against. Psalm, Psalm 71, David says, Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. If you haven't figured out already, we need help. We need the power of the Holy Spirit that is indwelling in us to walk with it. We need to surrender every day and say, Lord, I can't do this without you. I know who I was without you. I refuse to live that way. Lord, I need you. Every step that I take, I need you. Every room that I go into, I need you. Every open door that I walk through, I need you. Every time I lay my head down, at night, Lord, protect my mind. This this insomnia, this anxiety, these dreams that I'm having, a, a, a fear that I don't even want to get up in the morning. Lord, would you help me because I know you're with me. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 9, he says, Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. We are delivered from the trials of this life. A fight against our human sinful nature and a real darkness of evil. It sounds like a, a bad Disney movie right there. It, listen, it's important to say this. Before I go any further, I'm going to say this. We're going to get this out the way right here, right here, right now. As a God-fearing, born-again, spirit-filled Christian, you cannot be demon-possessed. There is no way that a spirit-filled, born-again believer can be demon-possessed. For what partnership does righteousness have with lawlessness? Or what fellowship with light and darkness? For what accord does Christ have with Belial? And you know what, Belial is, is, is just this worthless, it's evil. What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has a temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. While this passage is primarily dealing with Christians marrying unbelievers, there are implications about the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is in someone, then something evil like a demon cannot inhabit it. I belong to the Lord. My body is a a temple for the Lord. I'm born again, spirit-filled. I walk with God. I fall. I get up. He will not share this temple with anyone else. But did you know that deliverance doesn't always mean exorcism? It doesn't always mean levitating, pop-locking, foaming out the mouth. It doesn't always mean that. Sometimes deliverance is God just simply walking with you through the trials of this life. It's sometimes the Lord just holding your hand. Sometimes it's a brother just encouraging you. You can get through it. The Lord is with you. If he's with you, who could be against you? just this comforting and encouraging us through, through, these, through these trials as he uses them to mature our faith. Deliver me, O God, from the hand of the wicked and the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. While a, while a believer, born again, spirit-filled believer, follower of Jesus Christ, cannot be possessed, we can be influenced by evil spirits that will try to try to instill fear in your heart. That will try to grip you with confusion, worry, doubt, impure thoughts. I need deliverance from these things. The man with the microphone right here needs deliverance from these things. I need the Lord's help in my walk with God. Like, Lord, as I walk with you, you see what the ad, you see what the adversary is trying to do in my life. You know what I deal with, Lord, and so does the devil. Can I tell you something? The devil's not going to tempt you with something new. Like. As a heterosexual male that has never been attracted to another man, the devil will not tempt me with that. Th- with that, I know, I know my identity. I've never been attracted to a man. Never, ever. I don't deal with that, but other people do. So the devil's smart enough know not to waste his time with those things. I've never been in love with money. So the devil knows that he can throw all the money in, in my face and I'm not going to be moved. My character's not going to be changed by it. But he does know what I do deal with. He knows what brings me down. He knows exactly what to show me in the right times to make me question, to make me wonder, to make me fall off, to make me think twice. He, doesn't, he, doesn't, he, he knows. He's strategic. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, Paul assured the Corinthian believers that no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you could bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. In some cases, God's rescue is not always immediate. But in due time, after patience had its perfect work, God always makes a way for escape. Always. After David's prayer of deliverance, he now shifts his prayer to to something else. In the same chapter, Psalm 51, verse 10 through 12, he now says this. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take away your Holy Spirit from me. I love this. This is this is my second prayer. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant a willing spirit to sustain me. David is asking God to restore the joy of his salvation. He's not asking God to restore his salvation. He's asking God to restore the joy of his salvation. Leading up to this, leading up to the inner torment of of David sleeping with Bathsheba, of Scheming and plotting premeditated murder to take out Uriah. There's a prophet named Nathan that went up to that went up to David and 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 the Lord commanded Nathan to share a story with King David. And it said, and it was this: it was is share the story of a rich man who took And killed a poor man's only lamb. He took everything from this man. David was justifiably angry when he heard this story. Nathan then answered him and said, you are that man. David had blood on his hands. He was guilty of killing Bathsheba's husband. As well as committing adultery. So God brought judgment upon David for his sin. Including the death of him and Bathsheba's child. However, David repented and was forgiven. And he remained king. Despite all of the steps that David had take, taken to suppress the news of what he had done, he did not experience joy in the cover-up. You cannot hide your sin from God. It is only him that sustains us and gives us true joy. The weight that you carry, you're not supposed to carry it. And it's as simple as this. Lord, my transgressions are before me. My sins are always right in front of my face. I give them to you and I restore the joy of my salvation. And boom, healed, gone. Once he confessed his sin to God, he received forgiveness and his joy returned. When David pleads with God to restore the joy of our salvation, he is asking that he would have once again fellowship with God. The fellowship that he once knew and enjoyed. David could not enjoy fellowship with God without his unconfessed sin. Even today we can lose the joy of our salvation. I believe that there are Christians, that there are people in this place that you have yet to truly experience the fullness of joy that comes with walking with Jesus because you're holding on to unrepented sin. Because there is something that the devil knows how to torment you. There is something that the devil has on you that he just whispers in your ear over and over and over again. It could be one thing, it could be a thousand things, but he knows exactly what to do just to keep you from moving closer to God. The weight that we carry, what it looks like is failure, the enemy's onslaught to make us feel our deepest insecurity, so we don 't feel this joy. Listen, not sinning is hard i don't know if you i don 't know if you've been there or not. not sinning is hard. offering yourself as a daily sacrifice unto the Lord is hard it 's not easy, but let me tell you something there is no feeling. Like going before God Almighty with a pure heart. With a slate that's clean. Just filled with the Spirit. With the armor of God on you. And it's just like, this peace is greater than any temporary satisfaction that I can give to myself. And through all my years of sinning, all my years of failure, every single time that I just keep going back, And the enemy's just barking at me, and I hear him. And the tolerances, and me knowing my own strength, and me knowing, Lord, I haven't been with you today. Lord, it's been a week. That message on Sunday doesn't sustain me till Wednesday. I need you. The enemy knows, and he's creeping. So tonight, I pray that there is deliverance through God's word in your life that there is true freedom from the things that torments you in your mind, that there are things that you harbor in your heart against your parents, against your children, against yourself for something you did when you were younger, that you would be made free. Because this is God's will for you, is that you would experience the fullness of his joy and that the joy of your salvation would return. So pray with me. Father, we thank you, Lord, and we just give you this room. I am but a vessel, and I ask, God, that you would receive the glory, that you would go before us, Lord. Walk up and down these aisles, Father, and begin to tap on the heart, Lord, from the hardest, God, to the most tender. We give you the glory, knowing, God, that we could do nothing without you. I am but a vessel, Lord, and I surrender myself and put myself aside, all for your glory, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Uh, I'm going to, thank you, appreciate you. We're going to read out of uh, Luke chapter 8. This story is about the... um, about the demon-possessed man that went through the tomb. And um, the, uh, this, this story is actually, it's in Matthew, it's in Mark, and it's in Luke. I'll probably jump around uh, f- from story to story. But... I want to read it. Okay, just stick with me. It'll be up on the screen for you. This is listen, this is a this is a fascinating story. Like I know when we read the Bible, we pick it up, it's almost like Christian rhetoric, but if you read this book from like the person that you follow on Instagram right now and they said, "Well, look at what happened." You would be utterly amazed. So, let's let's just read this in Luke chapter 8 verse 26. It says this, they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, also known as the Gadarenes. You're going to hear me say Gadarenes more, uh, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but he had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man many times it had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs and gave and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the Herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found a man from whom, from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all of the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked from whom the demons had gone out and begged to go. I'm sorry, I skipped something. Asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left the man from whom the demons had gone out, begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. This story is crazy. Jesus the moment that he gets out of the boat, from traveling from Galilee across the lake, he gets out of the boat, and immediately it says that a demon-possessed man. And in uh, Matthew, he says that there was two men. And he gets out, and and he he's almost like worshiping Jesus. Keep in mind, the disciples are with him. The disciples are learning who Jesus is. They're, they they've seen the water into wine. Oh, cool. Maybe that's a magic trick. Who knows. Then, then they see that he casts out more demons. Then he sees that they heal, they, he heals a leopard man. Then he, then they watch the faith of the centurion. Um, Jesus heals heals the centurion just because his servant, just because of the centurion's faith. You see, they're seeing the stories, they're hearing these things, and what they hear is a conversation they haven't heard before. It was a spiritual conversation of a demoniac that came at the feet of Jesus and said, "Jesus, Son of God." They questioned in the storm that led up to them meeting the demonic man right when they got to, uh, to, to the Gadarenes. They said, man, even the winds and the waves obey him. And now you have this man calling him Jesus, son of God. Jesus now talks in the spirit. The demons try to negotiate. The, pig, the pigs go, the, uh, they go to the pigs and they drown. The herdsmen run into the city and the city comes out to see Jesus. The chain reaction to what just happened blows my mind. It all started with Jesus saying, let us cross over to the other side. He gets off right away, and he meets a demon-possessed man. Because of the demon, there was a testimony. Because of the testimony, the people came out to see God. But before the demon, Jesus tells the disciples, they're in Galilee, and he says, let us cross over to the other side. Before they cross the lake, before he gets off of the boat, From crossing the lake and meeting this demonic man, they're they're in Galilee. And Jesus tells them in Luke chapter 8 verse 22, we're going to pick up from here. It says, but before the demon, uh, Jesus tells his disciples, it says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out and they sailed. He fell asleep. Jesus fell asleep. A storm came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Jesus tells them, where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. Jesus says, let us go to the other side. Our time here in Galilee was great. You guys seen the miracles. Everything was all gravy over here. But now, let's go from Galilee to the other side you know when we know about Jesus' ministry was about advancing God's kingdom uh, on earth as it is in heaven you, when he says let us go to the other side you know what he's saying he's saying let's expand our territory let's show them who God is let's show them what the son of God has come on this earth to do to set the captive free expect storms to happen when you're expanding territory like don't be weary about them and say, oh my gosh, God's doing something good, and I know the storm's coming, and I, I just probably shouldn't do this. No, 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 no. Just expect them to come when you're ready to expand territory. Expect demons to show up when you're ready to progress and move forward and what the Lord wants you to do. You ever notice that when you're about to receive breakthroughs, some, uh, uh, some, like you're doing something good, trouble starts to arise? You ever notice that? What about the things that you're just being good and you get asked to speak, right? And and the Lord is just working in your life. And and John, can you come preach on a Wednesday, please? And I'm honored and I'm loved. And I know the schemes of the enemy just to attack my marriage on a Monday. He knows what he's doing, right? And so anytime something good's going to happen, anytime you're going to break through and expand territory, expect a storm to show up. Pastor Jacob uh, shared a powerful word last week on, on, on revival revealing things. And we're in revival. It, it doesn't look like a thousand people jumping and everyone going, spinning in circles and doing these crazy things. People are getting saved. Your, your walk with God, you're now maturing. You're no longer that liability drinking the little baby milk, as Paul uh, expresses. You're growing. That, that's what revival looks like, too. Our ministries are growing. People are serving. Families are being restored. We're, we're in revival, but... Revival reveals things. You ever notice how certain circumstances are just tougher because you're a Christian? I didn't carry the weight of my sin before I was saved. There are people that live a nice, peaceful life without knowing Jesus. They would even say they died peacefully. Like, I'm not saying that being a Christian is the hardest thing in the world. It's the best thing in the world. But it's not always easy. My transgressions and my sin is always before me. And now I carry this weight, this deeper weight, this deeper calling that the world has, that knows nothing about. I'm, man, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at a line paying for my groceries and I'm just like, the weight of my sin is, is right before me. Lord, Lord, what do I do? This, this is hard. I just want to buy groceries. I'm in, I'm in the self-checkout line and this person in front of me got 20 items. Like, Lord, help me. Lord, Lord help me certain circumstances just get harder because we don't fight a battle against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers of darkness, demons, the devil and his minions. Jesus says, let us go over to the other side and a storm started. Before he got to this man, before there was deliverance, before, uh, before, before uh, the Gadarenes had experienced what they experienced, a storm was created. Some situations are created to either break you or to bring breakthrough. So while the storm is popping off, Jesus is asleep. And the disciples are like, yo, master, we're going to drown. Jesus sleeping is not an indication that he does not care. It's an indication that he's in control. So as they worry, as we worry, Jesus is chilling. I'm here. Where is your faith? So one, Jesus is in in control. Two, the, the faith of the disciples is now being tested. Like, Their faith was not only being tested spiritually, but it was now being exposed to them physically. I put my faith in who? Jesus, right? Who were they with? They were with Jesus. They're learning about who he is. They're learning and believing now that he is who he says he is. And then all of the crazy things that he's doing, he must be who he says he is. Their faith is being tested spiritually, but now being exposed physically that, man, this is the son of God. And so Jesus isn't fazed by the storms. We are. Let us cross over to the other side. The pigs are a dead giveaway to what type of people Jesus went to go visit. They're in Galilee. He says, we're done here. This is great. Let's go to the other side. No orthodox Jew back in, the, in that time would be a shepherd, be a herdsman for pigs. They considered them unclean. So we know that Jesus is expanding territory now to the Gentiles. What's what's amazing is that this crossing over of the other side, this crossing of the lake, was more than just a region. It was more than just a geographical location. He was crossing cultures. He was going to cross and begin to break boundaries. If the devil hates anything, it's when new things bow down at the feet of Jesus. If he dislikes anything at all, it's when you come on a Wednesday night, people from all different types of backgrounds, different locations, different lifestyles, they all come down and they bow down at the feet of Jesus. He hates that. You, you know, when it comes to the spiritual battle that we're in, there's levels to this. Like, let me explain it like this. It is The devil doesn't, doesn't mind you watching online. That's That's... How you receive the word. Here's a mind you are watching online. As long as you stay there. You don't come to church. And you don't receive gospel community. You don't receive relationship. You're not in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit with other believers. Right? But we want people to watch them online. That's the first step. But then the devil knows. Okay well. They're online now. Let me just keep them online. Then it's come to church. Right? The devil doesn't want you to come to church. But then you're in church. What happens? Okay well. As long as you're in church, as long as you don't bow down at the feet of Jesus. As long as you don't worship him. And then now you're in ministry. And then it's just, okay, well, they're in ministry. I can't stop them from volunteering and doing things. But as long as they're not doing it with the right heart. As long as they don't surrender to the Lord and give him the glory. Right? So there's levels to the spirituality, and it's always going to come down to the posture of our hearts. So um, Jesus lands now. They pass the storm. The demoniac is right there. The moment he steps off. I mean, the moment that Jesus steps off the boat, this demoniac comes out of his cave. And he talks to him. And and, and he says, okay, Jesus, son of God, if you're going to make us leave the man, just don't make us leave the territory. If you're going to make us leave this person, send us over to the herds of pigs. The devil doesn't care about you as much as you think you do. Like, it's... I don't think it's personal. The devil is not after you, he's after who you belong to. He's after your territory. Like something that I have, he wants. He may be fighting me, but he's after my territory. Don't be distracted by what he is doing to you. He's after your influence. He's after, he's after the chain reaction to your obedience of a surrendered heart to God Almighty. He knew you were going to be something. He knew the restoration power that God has on your life, that God has for your family. He knows these things, and so the devil wants to rob you of those things, and he tried to rob you years ago. He tried to give you a community of gang members to make you feel accepted, to do a bunch of dirt, to land in prison, to almost lose your life. He tried to rob you in the, in the cradle. He tried to rob you in your mother's womb. He tried to rob you when you were sticking needles in your arm, when you went to the bottle all the time. He tried to rob you with your reckless driving, with your reckless words, with not caring. He tried to rob you when you were alone, when you were sitting there contemplating suicide. He knows these things. He's trying to rob your marriage now. He's trying to rob you of your sanity. Yes. Hear this. Stop taking the attack of the enemy so personal. The devil didn't care about Job. He cared about proving God wrong about his most faithful servant. The world doesn't care what you do. Claim that you go to church. They don't care what you do as long as, it doesn't, as, long as you don't affect them doing what they do. Don't rub, the, don't rub the world the wrong way. You could preach, love, hyper-grace, do all of that. Just don't talk about, don't talk about how abortion is wrong, about how, how we value the sanctity of life from the mother's womb from the time of conception. You, you, you know what? Just, just don't talk about how, how same-sex marriage is wrong, how God doesn't even uh, consider it marriage at all. It's just sin. Don't talk about fornication. Don't talk about these things. Don't talk about sexual sin, sexual immorality. Let every single wolf that wants to sleep around, let them stay in the church. It's okay. Just just do those things. How many times have you been victimized by things out of your control? And yet we take them personal like it's our fault. We carry the burden like it's our responsibility. Like the devil revolves his kingdom around you and you alone. He revolves, the devil revolves his kingdom around destroying God's kingdom. So now that you belong to God and you're pursuing him, you have now now automatically become the subject of opposition and warfare. He's not just after your life. He's after everything that the Lord wants to do in your life. He wants to stop you right there. You're a mighty man and woman of God. I refuse to allow you to go any further because I know the type of power that you can walk in when God heals you. In, in Mark's account, in Mark chapter 5, it says this. It says, the man lived in the tombs and nobody could bind him anymore, not even with the chain. For he had been chained often, hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons off his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day the tom- uh, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself. The enemy loved attacking this man. Like, the demons took pleasure in it. They invited more demons to come. We are legion. One is not enough. Two is not enough. This, let's just have a field day with this man. And they they loved terrorizing him. They loved using him to terrorize others. People were afraid to even go to that side of the country. Night and day, he abused himself. He terrorized others. No one wanted to be around him. He cut himself. They enjoyed attacking him. Man, I think about some of the stuff that... that the self-inflicted wounds that, that we do to ourselves. Like, we, ju- we just love to, just to be our own perpetrators. And the things that we do when nobody's looking, the things that we say to ourselves, the things that we do to push others away, I mean, w- like, you know what the worst thing about this is this? Do you think that you got some of those thoughts on your own? It is a spirit an, uh, an evil spirit that is constantly whispering in your ear. Constantly telling you the same thing. I understand that you heard these things when you were younger. I understand that you may have been neglected. And, and, and certain things were said over your life for a very long time. But if you are in this room. Breakthrough belongs to you because of who we serve. <laughs> Amen. But. Because. We refuse to lay it all down at the feet of Jesus. The enemy knows how to whisper in your ear. How to keep you from moving forward. How to keep you from letting that things go. I know so many men of God, so many women of God that love the Lord. They have the peace. They have the joy. But they're so unforgiving to one of their parents. They are bitter with somebody, and it consumes them. They can't be in the same room as them. When you bring up their name, they just start to cry. They start to, their body starts to get itchy. You think about something that, that happened when you, when you were younger. Maybe some of you women carry the weight of an abortion that you had. Maybe some of the men, you carry the weight of the things that you've done and all the pain that you have caused people. That is a spirit that is constantly reminding you of those things over and over. And they tell you, you have to live with this. Freedom is not for you. You've already got all the freedom that you needed. You're saved. But you're going to live with this. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And I believe that every single person can be set free from those thoughts that torment us. From those things that stop us from being who God has called us to be. We don't fight a battle against flesh and blood. The devil enjoys tormenting you with thoughts, with words, and the neglect. And his goal is to prevent us from walking in truth of all that can be accomplished as a result of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The reality of God's kingdom that is living inside of us is a threat to the stronghold of darkness. So what am I going to do to stop that? I'm just going to whisper fear in your heart. You look at Jezebel and she whispered over Elijah. All she did was, was say something and he got afraid. And that's sometimes all the devil has to do is say something to you. is show you a vivid dream. Bring somebody back from your past. And now you're just paralyzed. You're, 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 you're in fear. You're, you're confused. And we have triggers left and right. We don't know how to act right and treat people right I read this book. It's called Power to Deliver. Um, I picked it up again because of the sermon. And uh, the author writes this. A former witch who is now saved says this. The primary way a witch comes against a Christian is by cursing them with fear. Quote, we discern believers in the spirit and know the power they carry is greater than ours. But if we bind them with fear, they will never step out in faith and access the power available to them they won't evangelize they won't pray for the sick and they won't walk in the spirit of truth this is what the enemy's doing to the body of christ he is filling us with fear because he doesn't want us to walk in supernatural power walking in power seeing the lord bring deliverance encouraging somebody loving somebody i mean words of knowledge just encouragement to 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 the believer these things should be normal Walking in power should be normal, but never take it for granted. But we don't believe believe that for ourselves. You believe that for Evangelist John. You believe that for Pastor Omar. You believe that for your connect group leader. But you don't believe it for yourself. And I wonder why. Because a constant whisper of the enemy is trying to stop you to be who God has called you to be. Lies continue. Whispers. You'll never be loved. You'll never be free, you'll never be happy, you'll never get married. And then here's a big, one of the biggest one of the biggest ones. Why? Why For what? Why move forward? It's not worth it. It's okay. Just stay right where you are. It is not worth it. And and, and this is the enemy saying is I, I've enjoyed attacking you. I, I it's easy for me. I've enjoyed tormenting you. The demoniacs were not the mission. The man that came out of the cave was not the mission. The territory was the mission. The faith of the, un- of the believers and the unbelievers, that was the mission. It was the Gadarenes, it was the Gentiles. The last two verses are very surprising. Um, and, 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 and I think they encourage us to go further in our thinking. It says that the herdsmen fled. The people that the pigs belonged to. It said the herdsmen fled and were going into the city. They told everything that happened. Especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. It doesn't say especially about the pigs. It says especially about what had happened to the demon-possessed man. In other words, they foregrounded deliverance and liberation and freedom and healing. It says in Matthew 8.34, Behold, all this city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. And Mark, and, and, the, and Mark, when I read earlier, said, and they were fearful, and they asked Jesus to leave. Two amazing things happened in this Gentile region. Suddenly, by the power of Jesus, the first amazing thing is two demon-possessed men were free. Jesus set them free. That's powerful. And their humanity was restored and their relationships were restored. Their right minds were restored. The second amazing thing that happened is this. Is there was a large herd of pigs that was destroyed. Well, how was that amazing? I think of another situation in the Bible where Satan attempted to negotiate with God. Namely, in the first two chapters of Job, Satan asked for permission to afflict Job. And God gave Satan permission. Which proved to be a test of Job's faithfulness to God. This is, this is the summary of what would happen. Job would face the choice. You can love God and trust him or you can love your possessions and your family and your health more and curse God for taking them away. In other words, God used Satan to test Job. Now it seems to me more than less, this is what's happening, right? Jesus comes to a Gentile world. Is, he conquers the devil. He set the prisoner free. He presents himself as great deliverer, able to restore life and hope. But he also takes away a herd of pigs, the livelihood, the wealth from some of the community. He forces a choice, prosperity or love, money or Jesus, human resources or divine power. And to our utter amazement, out of fear, they beg Jesus, the life giver, the devil defeater, the hope maker and the hope giver. To leave their region. The owners were so terrified in the presence of such a spiritual power that they made no demand for restitution. They didn't care about property damage. They didn't ask for any money. They just simply begged Jesus to leave the region. They were awestruck, but they were unrepentant. They wanted no more of Jesus Christ. This shows the hardness of their hearts and their desire to remain in sin. This happens to us all the time. I mentioned it earlier: is power for thee, but not for me. I don't believe God can use me like that. And and, and this happens, and even this, even in the subtleness of everyday church, this happens to us all the time. Is we're awestruck, but but in a way, it's like okay, what's next? Right, one person gets saved at the altar. 20 people get saved at the altar my family member that I've been praying for got saved at the altar they accepted the Lord this is their new journey but what's next this is cool but what's next and 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 I've been and there are people you've been in church your whole life but you're still bound you have yet to walk in the fullness and freedom that God has for you because we settle for just knowing rather than intimacy I know God is good But I've yet to really truly experience that for myself. I know that he could break chains. I know that he's a great deliverer. I know that bondages can be broken. But I have yet to experience that over my life. Because of why? The subtle schemes of the enemy. An enemy exposed is an enemy defeated. He is a liar. I said it from the jump. He is a liar. He's still a liar. When I'm done, he's going to be a liar. When he's tempting you, he's a liar. Is as, as believers, proximity is not good enough. It's the constant pursuit. It's God is moving. He doesn't just stay in one place. He doesn't just move in this part of your life and then you're done. Proximity is great. But the pursuit is even better. And the Lord is asking for you to pursue him. To give him everything to lay it down at the feet of Jesus. The healed demoniac, on the other hand demonstrated the true faith and repentance of a changed heart and begged to be allowed to follow Jesus. Jesus sent the healed man away, giving him a commission that he joyfully obeyed. He says, go to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has mercy on you. Jesus knows the power of a testimony when it is accompanied by the obedience to share it. What good is it that the Lord has done so much for you but you keep it all to yourself? How selfish can we be? The Lord set me free. The Lord delivered me. I no longer deal with those things. Man, I, I, I can now walk with my, with my chest out a little bit knowing that I belong to the Lord. Knowing that I don't struggle with what I used to struggle with back in the day. Knowing that even though this new thing that I deal with it's only temporary. I'm going to get through it because I know who my God is. Because I know that he's testing me. Because I know that he's creating perseverance and creating character in my life. In a way, I kind of look forward to it. But when I'm going through it, I don't forget the mission. Is Lord, deliver me. I am yours. I know the schemes of the enemy. I'm learning about his games. I know what I need. I know how long I've gone without prayer. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm here now. You've been with me You've been with me. You have not forsaken me. Even when I'm unfaithful, God, you're still there. Thank you, God, for your grace, for your mercy, for loving me like no one else can love me, for giving me the strength that I cannot have on my own. It seems to me that the story has several levels of meaning. Uh, meaning. It's not just that Jesus delivered a man. It goes greater. One, Jesus is the Son of God. The demons expose that. Jesus is triumphant, triumphant over unclean spirits. Every single unclean spirit in this place bows at the feet of Jesus. Jesus liberates the captive. He gives hope to the hopeless people, even Gentile people. But, but, but here's the thing Jesus demands a choice love him and his salvation, or love your prosperity and your wealth. And they failed. As much as I want to say man, all of the hillside and all of, all of the Gentiles, it was revival. It wasn't. They asked him to leave. All of Jesus' ministry was about choosing him. In the storm, where's your faith? Choose me. In the deliverance, choose me. And, and, and all our wealth and all of the things that we could accumulate on this life all of your possessions, all of your children all of your accolades, all of your titles choose him his, all of his ministry this is a simple text of a man that was being delivered but at the end of the day Jesus is saying, choose me the Lord today is asking you to choose him I believe the Lord can deliver you from any unclean spirit that, that whispers in your ear from anything that tries to hinder you from drawing closer to him, there's deliverance in this place. And maybe it doesn't come with the point of contact of, of someone praying for you. Sometimes it's just being in the presence of God. We have fallen in love with this over-spirituality of, of, of the expression, the physical expression that shows people being delivered. But I remember in the Bible when David played his heart for, for King Saul and he was delivered. In the presence of the Lord. And I see all across this place people worshiping God, just them, them and them alone, tears flowing, the peace being instilled inside of their heart, deliverance, maybe for a moment. Maybe it can last them, it can help them carry on. But there will never be a time in your life that you don't have to trust Jesus. It's always gonna be Him, always and only Jesus, nothing else, no one else. He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. No one else can get to God but through Him. No one can experience true freedom but through Him. No amount of prescription drugs can help your mental state. No amount of... of, of Hitting the pipe or smoking a joint or drinking or spending time with certain people can bring you true freedom. Like just being with Jesus. Like just trusting in Him. Trusting in His Word. Calling the devil out for who he is. You are a liar. I couldn't sleep today. I knew exactly what God wanted to do today. And and, and I'm telling you, I prepare. I mean, I'm telling my boys, I'm ready. My cup is full and I got the armor of God on. No matter how confident I felt in the Lord today, I couldn't sleep. For most of you guys know, I work nights, I work graveyard. And I got home and I was just laying in bed, tossing and turning, s- staring at the ceiling. And I knew I had to go to sleep. And I'm laying there and I'm getting anxious. Now I'm getting a little angry. Now I hear my kids are waking up and they're playing and I'm like, man, I want to go play with them, but I need to fall asleep. I'm on assignment today. I lay there and I say, Devil, you're a liar. I know what you want to do. I know you want to make me tired when I'm up here and get on my mind right now. But I know your schemes. You're a liar. That's it. God, God be with me. I don't care if I don't go to sleep today. I'm still on assignment. I'm still yours. So no matter how I feel, no matter how I think, I belong to the Lord. Now, it may seem like I got it all together. I'm confident in God. Sure man but there's days I'm dragging my feet my head down my shoulders feel heavy I don't want to speak I don't want to do nothing I want to give up sometimes I want to call past More just at 3 in the morning for no reason I'm done take the title away from me throw me away throw me somewhere else I'm done I don't want to do this no more because I know how the enemy works but because I'm faithful in that battle the Lord has shown himself faithful to me and I'm I don't care what it looks like. I'm just going to surrender all. Lord, deliver me. Restore the joy of my salvation. I need you and I'm always going to trust in you no matter what. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we thank you, God, for who you are and all that you're doing. I pray, God, right here, a response to the Holy Spirit for everything that you've done in this place, everything that you went for and you did in the heart. I pray, God, that... It would just be accepted here and now, Lord. We thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com.